are now listening to Wisdom from North podcast with me, Jannike Einias. Here I will explore topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, personal growth, and in general, how we can create good lives for ourselves. My intention is to find some answers, but perhaps more importantly, finding new questions to ask, because there is always something new to discover in this wonderful universe that we live in. In Wisdom from North, we're passionate about helping you take your spiritual growth to that next level. That's why we are collaborating with some amazing spiritual teachers and partners who offer free webinars and classes. Go to wisdomfromnorth.com forward slash free. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the guests and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of Wisdom from North or any entities they may represent. Now, please enjoy the episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, John. A warm welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Yannick. I'm very excited to be here. I've, I've been enjoying your content for so long. Now I'm a, get to be on it. It's very exciting. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. It's so nice to hear. And I'm really excited about hearing your story. I've seen it online in other videos. I found it very interesting. And it's not always that I dive into uh, stories around Christianity, actually. But when I hear a spiritualist uh, perspective to religions, I, I find it very interesting. And I've done an interview with Lars Mühl uh, that caught my interest around Mary Magdalene's uh, deeper message and I know the Gnostics have been, you know, um, revealing more of Jesus' deep teaching. And I know also you sort of had an experience with Jesus, which is amazing. <laughs> I, I'm excited to hear the whole story today because your experience is actually that you are uh, or have been in a past life, John, the beloved. And... That, that is quite amazing in itself. And I would love to hear the whole story and then we can dive into Jesus' teaching that you experienced or remember somehow. <laughs> Great. That sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. So, All right. So, yeah. So, so my story starts out in a very strange way. I was raised as a Catholic. Uh, my mom had her master's degree in liturgy and it was head of a liturgical doctrine in our church, which basically meant that when, when I was an altar boy, I was a reader, I was the guy who shoveled the snow at the church. I was the kid who was there all the time. And at her being head of a liturgical doctrine meant that my, my mom, whenever, whenever the priest would do a sermon, my mom had to do the final check on that sermon to make sure he was allowed to say it. So my mom was having the priest respond to hers, which I thought was really very, very Catholic. Um, but uh, when I was a kid, I had all kinds of strange experiences going on. I, I had all these imaginary friends that I was talking to, and I, um, I had an out-of-body experience my brother told me about. One, one time I had a fever, and I said, I'm on the ceiling. I'm taller than all of you. And then I started talking to somebody, and they're like, they didn't understand what I was doing. And 
my mom walked out the back door of our house one day. My G.I. Joe was up on a crucifix in the backyard. She wasn't very happy with me. Um, so I was having all these very strange experiences. But I was, to me, it was just a kid. I, I, I didn't realize what was going on with my life. And then when I got much later in my life, I was doing Renaissance festivals. I was doing a comedy sword fighting show at Renaissance festivals all, the, all over the United States. And I ended up at a party one night with a bunch of entertainers. And one of the guy's wives was there. And she started looking at me really strange. And she walked over and she said, you know, you walked with Jesus, right? And I, I was like, you know, I had no idea that she, that she was a psychic. And I was like kind of thrown back by it. But the weird part was I, I knew that I had done it. I, I literally said, yeah, I did. And then that freaked me out. So I... I real quick, I left. I, I, I did not want to be involved with what, what just happened, so I just kind of ran away because it did not go with my Catholic upbringing. And I get, went to the next Renaissance Festival, and I ran into another friend of mine. We're sitting there chatting, and in the middle of her, our conversation, she says, you know you were John the Beloved, right? And I, I was just shocked because here's a second person saying it. To make a long story short, uh, 19 different people told me the same piece of information. One of them, actually, I was at a holistic festival in Fort Lauderdale, and I was walking by the area where the readers were. And the reason I was there was because a friend of mine was selling jewelry, and I was visiting her. But I was walking by this area where the readers were, and one lady actually literally stopped a reading, ran out in the aisle, grabbed me by the arm, and said, you know you were John the Beloved, right? So after 19, I was just like, this is insane. This is crazy. Why? Why? Why is this happening to me? And I said, I don't want another psychic to tell me. And I just kind of looked up and I said, give me a sign. And a friend of mine came along and gave me a book called Edgar Casey on the Millennium. And when I, I started reading it, because I was curious about Edgar Casey, and I came to page 32, and it said, John the Beloved would again be named John. And I was like, oh, no, not again. So I decided I wanted to find a way of, of verifying the past life without a psychic involved, including Edgar Casey. And so I found a certified hypnotherapist who did past life regressions. And I'm very specific about the way I just said that. I think it's important to find a real certified hypnotherapist as opposed to someone who took an online course or a training from somebody. I think you need to find someone who really understands hypnosis because um, – it's very easy when you're in, in hypnosis to be suggestible. And a, a certified hypnotherapist will, is very well trained to not bring their own belief system into it. So I went and I found a regression therapist in um, the D.C., Washington, D.C. area. And I went and I was regressed. And I literally, under hypnosis, remembered meeting the guy that I call Jeshua Ben Joseph. And... It was, a, it was amazing. I mean, I was standing on a beach, and I saw people running by me. And I, I'm looking around. I look down the beach, and there's a crowd forming. And I want, go over to the crowd, and I, as I get to the crowd, I'm kind of like pushing my way into the crowd. And as I get deeper into this crowd, I can feel this, this pure love, this just pure essence of love. And I break to the center, and, and there he is standing there. And uh, I'm losing my breath. I'm, it, I'm, I'm just overtaken by this feeling of pure love and he, he looked at me and he he smiled and he walked like he knew me my entire life he walked me over and he placed his hand on my on my chest and I had what most people would consider a near-death experience in my regression I literally went out of body and I was in this pure white expanse ex experiencing the oneness of everything and the regressionist was, got really confused because she didn't understand what was happening. She literally asked this question. She said, are you with him or are you him? And I responded under hypnosis. I said, I'm within him. And it was a very interesting experience because what I was experiencing was, was, was being oneness with everything, including him and you and everybody involved. And then she says, what's the next most important scene? And the next thing that happened was I was back in my body feeling all my fears and my anxieties with the understanding that being here in the physical is about feeling our separation from that source and understanding it because if we never felt separate, we could never understand our connection to that source, to God, to consciousness, to yada, yada, whatever you want to call it. I call it God because my mom is Catholic, but, but um it's that, that feeling, that, ex, that expression of self. And so to me, that was, 
life-changing. And from that point on, I, I went down an entirely different journey. And you said, you said earlier, uh, going into Christian religions, um, I, I don't consider myself a Christian, even though I've had this experience, because the man that I met didn't believe in Messiah's Christ or Savior's. He believed in our own divinity, and he, he had found something he was sharing. And so when I look at uh, religions of the, of the day, religions themselves are man trying to wrap a structure around something more simple, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And wow, thank you for sharing that. And I, I'd love to go really deeper into what you saw in that regression. But before we do that, how was your reaction? Uh, did you immediately share it with your family, those around you? Were you feeling like I'm going crazy here? Or, you know, this is a pretty big thing. Or were you skeptic towards, you know, perhaps there's a, a part of me who really wants this to be uh, real and is this real? So, how was your rea reaction to all of this? I, I did not want it to be real. I, I I fought it like crazy because it was it went against everything I knew up until that point. Um, and when I was when I was struggling with it, I had two like two people I could talk to about it because they were aware of what was going on. And <laughs> even still to today, there are members of my own family who will not even discuss the subject with me because they're they're so catholic they, that they think i'm deluded and and i'm okay with that that's their that's their journey you know i, I think spirituality is a personal journey and we each must find our own path and uh, it's not for me or anybody else to judge anybody on their choice of their path it's a matter of it, us each finding our own way and, and finding our you through our own discernment finding what we truly believe so i i did i struggled with it quite a lot did you have more than one regression or did you have many? Because I know that you have your own YouTube channel. You're speaking about the teachings of Jesus. So were there many occasions where you met him or remembered? <laughs> I, I, love, I love this question because I, I had one main regression, but there's a certain percentage of people who get regressed who continue having, continually have um, memories that come through. And it's like 6%. And I'm one of the 6%. So, like, I'll be talking to someone, they'll say something, and I'll suddenly have a memory of that lifetime. And sometimes I'll have the moment where I'll be writing something, and I'll feel that presence again, that, that feeling of, of Jeshua. Which, and let me just say this. When I say Jeshua, I, I spell it with a J. The Hebrews would spell it with a Y. And the pronunciation I heard was a J with a, a Y and a J mix, kind of a Jeshua. And... um so, so there's a whole, there's a big argument about, about that in my world. People want to discuss my J. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, but the thing, the thing is, for me, I kept having these regression moments and these experiences. All right. So you're saying that you had one regression, and then it sort of opened up something within you, you like uh, you know, the veil was lifted, and you remember yeah, yeah. more and more from that life. Exactly, exactly. And I love your use of the word veil. You know, in Sufism, they say that God is on one side of a veil and we're on the other side of the veil and our life is a struggle against the veil and the veil is our fear. And that, what to me, was, was the precise example that I needed because I was in fear of, of this new information. And so having this idea of realizing that, that when I let go of my fear, I would have more experiences. And so... I would struggle with it, but then when I let go of my fear, and then the the Buddha said the secret to enlightenment is the eradication of fear. And so I start to find all these commonalities in all these different schools of thought. And I, I personally, for myself right now, I believe that God is too big to be encompassed by one school of thought. And, you know, each one might have their parts and pieces, but if you go back and you look at all of them, you could find a commonality in all of them. And... For me, I kept having these regressions, so I kept finding all this information, and then I started incorporating them into my life, and I started seeing dramatic, dramatic changes. And even, you know, even the law of attraction stuff that's out right now, that's all biblical. That's all stuff that's, that's in the Bible as well. Oh, awesome. We're going to get into that. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first, 
Jesus, how was he like? Please share. Did he, uh, was he married to Mary Magdalene? Uh, how was he like? How did he look like? Uh, just describe uh, how you felt his presence was like. Okay, let's first talk about what he looked like. I painted that painting in January of 2000, uh, three months after my regression. That, that, and if you want to see a, a, a closer image of that painting, you can go on uh, johnofnew.com and it's on that page, it's on that channel, um, on that website. But he had thick, dark, curly hair that was sun bleached, had a little bit of red from the sun bleaching. His eyes were actually a blue, but they were, they were not the gray blue that you see nowadays. It's very much a, a darker blue. It's very interesting. Um, and um, he had piercing eyes and and he was darker skinned it doesn't really show real well on the camera now but his, he was a very dark skinned individual because that's the part of the world he was from um he had a he had a loving wife and i and the reason i know he's a wife is because he used the aramaic word ishti which means wife <laughs> interestingly enough he used to tease her and joke with her about you know ishti he'd call her ishti and it was mary magdalene it was it was mariam and um they had a, a loving, caring, joyful relationship. They'd laugh consistently. And he, he himself was a funny guy. He would make you smile. He would make you laugh because he realized that in a laugh, in a laugh there is no fear. And so he'd get you into a state of joy and laughter. And that's, he would give you your, your connection to source in that way. And then he would get you into that state and then he would drop in a, a quick spiritual truth that would really go right to your soul because you weren't putting up a guard of fear in front of it. Um, he was funny. Uh, he was uh, loving. He was caring. He would play with children. Uh, it was it was one of those experiences that I, from my memory, of just just a wonderful person. And everyone liked to think that you know when he entered a room, the choir started to sing and the lights start to shine. My memories of him are, are of a man of a man who who literally remembered his own divinity and was showing us the same thing. He says, he says, even the least among you can do all that I've done in greater things. You know, he's literally saying that you are, you can do everything I'm doing. And do you remember seeing him doing miraculous things? Yeah, I get asked this question very frequently. Um, the only one that I I actually remember of is not in the it's not in the Bible. It's very interesting. Um, he, he there was this young it was and it was a lamb. There was a lamb with a broken leg, and I mean like literally broken, and a and a little girl was just crying. And he walked over and he picked up the lamb and he he did something. I don't know whether he set the leg or what, but he 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 literally fixed this lamb. But it, but the realization was it wasn't about the lamb. It was about the girl is about healing her her sadness, and that expression. Healing is a, is a is a a big topic that I get when they talk about miracles, and what I find really interesting is my understanding of, of healing is very different. Jeshua understood that that all healing comes from the belief of the person who is being healed, and it's a matter of bringing them to the to a belief, and sometimes that belief is. Uh, through their own just simple faith, like the, the story of the woman who touched his garment and was healed, and he said, it's your faith that heals you. But then there's the other story where he runs into the blind man, and he picks up dirt, and he spits on it, he makes it muddy, rubs it on the guy's eyes, and the guy's healed. And that guy needed a visceral something to put faith in. So the mud was something he could put belief in to heal. In the Bible, there's also a story of the town of Bethshean, where they would come to the city of Bethshean, but no one could be healed in the city of Bethshean. And the reason they couldn't be healed is because Bethshean is near Nazareth, and they all knew Joseph the carpenter, so they didn't believe they could be healed by the son of the carpenter. But I have a memory of going into Bethshean and saying, Jeshua is outside of the city if you want to be healed, and people would take leaps of faith to come out to him and were healed on the outskirts of the city but through their faith, through their belief. So the way he healed was he just was the pure essence of love with intention of healing. 
and then he would bring them to their own belief in it. And that's how those miraculous healings. But I don't have a memory of walking on water. I don't have a memory of uh, the loaves and the fishes. I don't have the big memories of that. And and in truth, I'm still getting memories now, but I, my my memory of that entire life are far from complete. Have you like read the Bible again and again, like <laughs> just to know everything and what comes up? And I read the Bible many times. I've read the Quran. I've read the Bhagavad Gita. I read the Vakanamrut. I've I've gone down all the rabbit holes to try to find out my truth because I really do believe that that you know I'm not a religious person. I'm a, I'm a spiritual person, and I and I believe that that religions themselves are just structures to to try to figure out what God is. And then what happens is those structures become the divisive part. And they say, you, you have to believe this, you have to believe that, you have to believe as we do. And then, of course, when the Nicene Council happened in 325, um, Constantine basically said he's the son of God, which for 300 years he wasn't. He was a prophet, a teacher, and to the to the Jewish people, a fraud. But in 325, he became the son of God, and, and everybody else was wrong at that point. And all, all the struggles happened. And I'm curious about that. Like, did he ever mention to you that, you know, I know that this is going to be a new religion. I know it's going to be called Christianity. Like, he could probably see into the future, right? And I'm going to throw in another funny part here. Uh, some people have been saying that, you know, he's really from, uh, he's really an ET, like <laughs> an extraterrestrial. Uh, so he could probably see into the future, and he really is from the future. Mm -hmm. So did you feel like he knew uh, what this would cause? Well, he, he, he knew that in a time of uh, power struggles of, of a Roman uh, ruler and the Jewish councils, that anybody who said that you are, you are empowered was going to cause a struggle. In fact, I, I'm, I just did a video on my, my other YouTube channel because um, I have two. I have John, the John of New channel and the Level of Spirit channel. On the Level of Spirit channel, I just did the first part of an interpretation of the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. And right in, the, right in that gospel, he says, uh, I'm bringing war, war and, and strife upon the world with this information, basically. Um, because, you know, you have a, a, a Roman governor who really wants to keep the people disempowered. And here comes a guy along who says, no, no, the power is always in you. Now, what I find interesting about the, the E.T. thing is, first of all, I do not remember him being an E.T. I remember him being a man. Um, but, you know, do I think that he could be? I, I think all, all things are possible because I think that the, all things are possible within the source of God. Um, but I would have to say that uh, the the... The concept of him being an alien or him being something, you know, bigger and grander is completely against what what he taught, because he literally was saying that we're all equal, we're all one, and in the idea of, you know, he is something different or set apart, it would be completely against what he was teaching. He was literally saying, you know, greater works than I've done, you will do. It is your faith that heals you. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can ask a mountain to move and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So he was literally telling us that we were divine. Uh, I think that the old, the old dogmas are just as damaging as the new dogmas. And I think that, that we start wrapping our, our beliefs and our thoughts. And a lot, of the, a lot of the beliefs that we're running into now are new age dogmas that didn't start until the you know, late 60s, 1960s, until, and coming right up and through. And so... I truly believe this is a trip we have to unpack for. We have to start taking away all the all the methods, modalities, and dogmas and rituals and come back to our core self. Right in the Bible, it says, ye must become as a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it says, you must be born again, which means wipe the slate clean of all these dogmatic beliefs and come back to just being you. You know, a child who is born doesn't have belief. It doesn't have modalities. And it, it's living on instinct, and it gravitates towards love, and it repels from fear. And so if you gravitate towards love and you stay focused on love and stay out of your fears, you're connecting to source because God is love. Our general nature is love. And so when I look at the, the, the stories of aliens and things like that, I, I respect their beliefs. 
whoever says it, I respect their beliefs because it's their belief. It would be completely hypocritical of me to say that they're that they're wrong. Yeah, and what is an ET anyway? You know, uh, what is a star seed? Uh, right. Who knows? Like, uh, you know, when we dive into all thing uh, topics around multidimensionality, we really are everything, aren't we? We we're one, so we we are experiencing each other's experiences because we are ultimately one. Uh, but I think that those who th- have those thoughts that uh, Jesus might be an alien is that he seems highly advanced, not yeah. any better, just more, you know, uh, more expanded consciousness. Uh, that's the best way you, I've heard anybody say it. It's exactly right. The right. more expanded conscious, more aware. More aware. More aware. Right. right. Yeah. And when you look at the the awareness of it, it you know, the, the consciousness of God, it's a very interesting thing. You know, as I said earlier, the Buddha said the secret to enlightenment is the eradication of fear. And when you look at that concept and you think of God being love and, and our experience in the physical world being fear, which is what I said about my regression, you know, if you were, if you were, and this is an analogy from a good friend of mine, Kim Carey, so I'm gonna, I want to give her credit for saying it because I think it's a beautiful analogy. Um, <clears throat> imagine you're in a white room and the table's white and the chair's white and you're the same color white as the room. Would you know what red is? And more importantly, would you know what white is? Because you wouldn't know what white is because everything's the same, right? You have to have a contrast to be able to say, oh, I understand now. And when people have near-death experiences, they go across, they have the, the uh, life review. And, and they tell you, one of the things they tell you about the life review is they experience their entire life emotionally. And then they say, um, they experience the emotional state of everybody they interacted with as well. So they experience the fears, the anxieties, and the loves of everybody they've interacted with, including themselves, so that the oneness of everything. But they're experiencing, you know, the fears and anxieties, which makes them feel separate, which gives them a, a better understanding of what love is, what God is. And so in this concept of love and fear, you know, being here in the physical is a, a real blessing. But you said multidimensionality. I think even that's simpler because <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story. I, uh, in the year 2000, I went to Egypt for a month. And at one point, and everywhere I went, I was treated like a prince. Everyone treated me like I was part of their family. It was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And about three quarters of the way through the trip, I went to Mount Sinai. And I got to Mount Sinai and went to the hotel, and that's a very grand word for the place I stayed. <laughs> it was a several huts with a center building, basically. And I stayed in this there, and then um, I made friends with the manager of the hotel. I walked in with a big smile on my face, and we treated me like a friend immediately. And when you're there and you climb Mount Sinai, you start climbing at 1 o'clock in the morning. And the reason you start at 1 is so that you reach the top at sunrise, and you can watch the sunrise from the top of Mount Sinai. And I started climbing the mountain at 1 o'clock in the morning. At 2.30 in the morning, an hour and a half into my climb, I hear my name being called in the darkness, John, John, which was a really weird thing to have happen on the side of Mount Sinai, let me tell you. (laughs) But... um, it wasn't God. It was, it was the manager of the hotel. He ran up the mountain an hour and a half to give me his coat because he thought I'd be cold. The next day, I came down from the mountain, and I went to St. Catherine's Monastery. And in the monastery was a uh, you know, beautiful Byzantine place, all the art and everything. And this guy says, hey, are you American? I said, yeah, I'm American. He says, me too. He says, have you been having problems since you've been here? I said, no, everyone's treating me like a prince. He says, everywhere I go, people want to fight me. And five minutes later, I wanted to fight the guy. And I'm joking, not really, but he was, he was putting this energy out that was his, his portrayal into the world. And so the world was showing him exactly what he was believing. And the world was showing me exactly what I was believing. Right. It, it, you know, when you think of the world itself, it's a fascinating thing. Einstein will tell you that everything that you're looking at in your, the room you're in right now is nothing but pure energy and motion. And the wall over there is energy, and the air between you and that wall is energy, and your eyes are made of that same energy. You know, all you really are is your consciousness. And this outer expression of your world is, your, is an expression of your belief. The first lines of the book of John say, in the beginning is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
your words, your thoughts, your beliefs go out to this energy and it is your belief is expressed in the energy around you. That guy was having a terrible time in Egypt because he believed he was going to have a terrible time in Egypt. I believed I was going to have a great time in Egypt and so I did. You know, we all have our own universe and you can have you can be in the same room with the person who's in their own universe having a different experience and it's a matter for us to take control of our own. I love that what you said we all have our own universe. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. I just haven't, you know, put those words on it, but I really believe that. We are like in small universes and then in the same universe right, at the same right. time. And beautiful story <laughs> shared. And that leaves me over to actually the teachings that you perceived or received from uh, Jesus, which I'm, <laughs> yeah, that's natural for me to call them Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was for me as well. And you hear me say Jesus or Jeshua now. When I'm saying Jesus, I'm usually talking about the, the religious Jesus. And Jeshua is the man that I knew. Right. So I, I say Jesus because that is the, what the world knows. Right? right. And I say Jeshua when I talk about those personal encounters of mine. That makes sense. Yeah. So law of attraction, yes. which we all speak about. Um, okay. So obviously uh, he did speak about it. You said, so did he sort of pull that out? Like uh, the big law, the biggest law, because I feel like sometimes we focus too much on the law of attraction. And then we have all these other universal laws that are also in play and they're sort of playing together. Yeah. So I'm well, super curious about that. I, I'm, I'm so glad you've, you've framed this way you did. The concept of spiritual laws is a new age concept. It's actually the concept that there are these laws that you have to follow. Um, I don't call it law of attraction. I call it creation. We get to create our experience. And you know, in the Bible, it says, uh, when you pray, believe you shall receive and you shall. That is the law of attraction, right? That's how the modern New Age folks would say law of attraction. When, whatever you're putting faith in, that, that, that trip to Egypt was, I was having a beautiful time because that's what I was attracting into my experience by being at first. Um, it says, if you have faith as small as a mustard, you can seed, you can ask the mountain to move, it will move. In my own life, I, I, I started just practicing creating, creation. Now, a lot of times in, in law of attraction, they, they lean heavily into affirmations. And I don't even believe in affirmations. And the reason I don't believe in affirmations is because the word itself is a contradiction. To affirm something means you don't have confidence in it. So you're constantly affirming it. You're affirming it because it needs an affirmation. I believe solely in declarations. So if I'm going to create something into my life, I declare it into my life. And I declare it in the only moment I can declare anything which is the present moment. You know, the past is just a collection of present moment memories and the future is just a place where we set goals for our next present moment. But our life is always lived in the present moment. We never leave this present moment. In fact, I would say we don't travel through time, time travels through us. And by, by staying in this moment, focused on what we are creating into the experience, it comes into focus and then we experience it. And so it's a matter of the law of attraction being, I am attracting 
and I had an antique Victorian dresser, and it had these these uh, turned posts and a swivel mirror on the top, and it was it was a beautiful dresser. It needed a bunch of work, and I was fixing it up. But the one thing I was missing is the two little screw finials that hold the mirror on mirrors onto the posts, and so I was like, all right. Thank you, God, for the screw finials I am receiving. Amen. And now let me, let me just kind of explain that. When you thank for something, it means you're getting it. Hey, can I have a cup of coffee? You believe you're getting your cup of coffee, right? So you, it's, it's a, a present moment belief that it's happening. Thank you, God, for the screw finials I am receiving. Now, let's talk about I am. The Bible says whatever you ask in God's name is granted, and God's name, according to Moses, was I am, not I will be or I was, but I am right here in this present moment. Then the next word I use is receiving, which is a present moment active word. A lot of people say, I want this, I need this, I'm hoping for this, I'm trying for this. But if you say, I am wanting, God will lovingly give you want. I am needing, God will lovingly give you need. But if you say, I am receiving, I am creating, I am enjoying, you're actually bringing something into your experience, into your time, in real time. So I am receiving, and then amen. And amen literally means so be it. Right here, right now, it's done. Can I just jump in here? Because that may, makes sense. And is that the same that you shouldn't say uh, what what you're lacking, that you, that you show that you're lacking something? You should, I mean, it is sort of an affirmation, <laughs> affirmation again, that you're affirming. Well, it's only, it's an affirmation if you're continually saying it. I said it once. Okay. I said it once, and I just believed it. And, I, and in fact, one of the things the Buddha says is you must release attachment. So I, I, once I said it, I just believed it, and I went on about, on about my day. Let me, let me tell you how it ended up, because I, I ended up going to another store and buying another piece of furniture. And it was a little tiny desk, and I brought it home, and I set it down next to that other dresser, and I opened the drawer, and the screw finials were in the drawer. So it's like... I just, I just believed it. I, I, honest to God, think about manifestation like an Amazon order. I put my order in. I don't try to reorder it the next seven days. I just know it's going to show up on my doorstep. My order's been put in so I can go on about my life and do my stuff because I believe it's happened already. It's already done. So it's already coming in. Now, let me tell you one of the bigger ones. Um, so in September, uh, September 2001, it was a Saturday, September 8th, 2001. I was performing my comedy show in Maryland. And that morning, I, we were coming to the end of our season, so I was going to have several months off. And that morning, I was like, you know, I really would like to travel this year. I'd like to see Europe. So that morning, I said, thank you, God, for the world travel I am receiving. Amen. And I just let it go. That afternoon, I'm walking off stage. Two guys come up, and they say, hey, guys, we've been watching your show for years. Um, we'd love it. Would you, would you like to do USO shows? Now, for the guys, you guys in Europe, um, USO is the organization that brings entertainment to soldiers overseas. Uh, so I said, we'd love to. He said, well, get us your marketing material. So Monday morning, I went to the Pentagon and I gave them my marketing material. And Tuesday morning was September 11th. And the planes hit the Pentagon and the planes hit the towers in New York. And it was this big, you know, the war started, basically. And they called us up three weeks later and said, how soon can you go? I said, as soon as you want us to go, we will go. And that year, I went to Iceland, England, Norway, Germany, Belgium, and Holland. And eventually, I went to 16 countries with the USO. And then during that same time, an author called me up and said, I want to take you to Egypt, Peru, Israel, Greece, and Jordan. And now I've been to over 30 countries in the world. And all I did was ask and believe and receive. So you've been to Norway. I've been to Norway. I, <laughs> I have a picture of myself standing in front of the giant stone swords. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> I love Norway. All right. So I just have to circle back to did Jesus uh, teach you this? Or is this you, John, in this life who perceives law of attraction that oh, way. Oh, no, th this, is, this is the teachings of Joshua, that you are the creator of your experience. And it's a matter of you get to create and believe any, anything you want. When he said, you know, nothing will be impossible for you, he meant it. He absolutely meant that this experience, you know, the Bible says we are created in God's image, but 
everything you're looking at is the image of the source because it is that pure energy and your belief is creating it. The reason we have our each have our own universe is because we're creating our experience and, and we can create things into our experience at any given moment. Uh, I, I, uh, I was talking to a lady the other day who about six months ago, in one of my private readings I did, she was like, okay, how do, how do I solve this problem that I have? I have cancer. How do I solve it? And I explained this exact thing to her. I said, believe I'm creating a perfectly healthy body. I am joyfully creating a perfectly healthy body. She has since sent me testimonials. She's cancer-free now because she, she, she literally believed it out of her experience, right? And it, it comes down to we, we can create anything in our experience. I think that's where the affirmations come in, that if you say them enough time, you actually start to believe it because you, it seemed like when you said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't remember the sentence, but I am blah, blah. Uh, you believed it. But if I, I'm saying I am, I don't know, I am pregnant. I know I'm not. <laughs> see, but see, but I, 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 I love the way you just said that. Cause you, you said it perfectly. Okay. So let me give you a different example that will explain it even better. Let's say I'm a thousand pound man. Modern new age affirmations say, I'm supposed to say I'm a thin man, but I can't believe I'm a thin man if I can't see my shoes. But I can literally say, I am receiving a healthier body. I am eating better foods. I am walking a little further today. And I can, I can start putting those actions into play. Now, in the Bible, the first miracle that they talk about is the water and the wine thing, right? And, you know, Jesus' mother comes and says, they're out of wine. And he says, Mom, it's not time yet, right? And then he turns to the servants and he says, fill those jugs with water and place them over there. And then later on, he gets up, he goes over, and he, he ladles out some wine. But the first thing he said was, it's not time yet, because he understood it was manifesting into his experience, and where he was did not have wine, but the wine was in process. So he put that was the thought of it, right? Then he had to put his word into it by, by saying, fill those jugs with water. He added a deed to it, thought, word, and deed. He put a physical action towards it. And so now thought, word, and deed with a solid belief behind it is a motion in this energy. And then over the course of time, those thoughts, words, and deeds in full faith become wine. So it's the same thing with that, with that big man. By saying, I am receiving a healthier body, he understands that he can be a thousand pounds right now, but something new is coming into the experience and that belief. The problem that I find with affirmations, it's the same problem I find with prayers, is people are looking to an external source to give them something instead of being the creative element of it coming in. And so they, you know, people in, in church will say, oh, please, please. Let me win, you know. There's a, a famous old Catholic joke. The Catholic guy goes to the church and he's like, oh, oh, please, God, just let me win the lottery. And then the next week he comes back and says, oh, please, God, you know, I've been a good Catholic my entire life. Just please let me win the lottery. And then the third week he says, oh, God, you know, I didn't win last week, but please, God, let me, let me win the lottery. And so this voice comes down from the heaven and says, you know, Bob, meet me halfway and at least buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right? right yeah so we have to actually have this belief this idea that we're doing something and creating something and put our action towards it you know when i asked for those screw needles in that dresser i just believed it and then i went on with my life as if it was already happening mm. because i knew the motion was already coming in and i think people get too lost and you're correct affirmations will work if their faith is growing in the outcome Right. Right. And so, if, if their faith isn't isn't growing in the outcome, then it won't mm -hmm. then they won't work. Yeah, it's one of Bob Proctor's teachings uh, and many others. Um, but I've just been focusing on Bob Proctor lately, and I love him. I love him. He was such a that's a fun guy to watch. Yeah, very. Uh, and we have a teacher in Norway, and we have a course with her that went to his uh, course, and she made her own course about it. And uh, so it's basically about reprogramming your yeah. subconsciousness. Yes. Yeah. And you said earlier about you know, the uh, don't focus on the lack, focus on the positive outcome, right? And he right. used to say, you know, don't focus on debt, fo focus on abundance, right? And then if you go yeah. to M Mother Teresa, she said, uh, 
I'll never go to an anti-war rally, have a pro-peace rally, and I'll come. Right. right. And, and it's really, it comes down to too many people are focused on the bad things in their life as opposed to the the good things they're bringing into their life. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can... I could tell you story after story of manifestations that I've done and, and things that people would consider law of attraction. And I understand that, that that's, that's, their, that's their basis for this reality. I think of it as just creation because that's what we were promised. Joshua said, whatever you ask, you shall receive if you have faith. So what was the most surprising teaching that you've learned from Jesus that was like, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, The, the interesting thing is is the oneness of God. Um, the, it's the most surprising thing because in John of old, especially, you know, he was a he was a Jewish man, and, and it was all about you know the God of Abraham, and the 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 concept of the oneness of of God and, and that I am a part of God. It's one of the, you know, in the New Age uh, world, there's the channeling is a big thing, right? And I had an experience. And this is going to sound so strange, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll share it anyway. But um, I was doing a private session with a person in person. And while I was talking to them, I saw an aura next to the person. And suddenly I'm hearing a voice in my head. And next thing you know, I'm channeling this voice and this, this physicality. And it kind of figured out that it was this, it was this entity, entity. And I'm saying that very specifically with quotes. Uh, Gabriel, or, or we call I called him Gabriel, but I'm having all this information coming through for this person. Well, this person had a fascination with Gabriel, so I had no, which I had no idea. But I, I freaked out because I was like, "What is this? You know, this is not me, right?" So I started gathering a group of people together and say, "Let's study this phenomenon," and I started doing these private sessions where this entity would come through. Well. He would always, the entity would always speak about me in third person until about three months in. And then three months in, it started saying, John, I, John, I, mixing the two of us together as one. And one of the ladies in the group said, why are you saying John, I? And it was explained that I, John Davis, had a real struggle with being divine and, and, and letting information come through me. And... And we all are divine. I'm not saying I'm separate or different from anybody else. We all are equal. There's no one greater or less than any other. But I had a, a, a self-doubt, a self-worth issue that said that this information could not come through me. And what was happening, it was explained to us that what was happening was I was becoming comfortable with being a channel of information. And because I was becoming comfortable, I no longer needed the personality that was separate from myself to channel it through. And so over the next several months after that, the accent went away, the physicality went away, and it just became me talking. But what's really interesting about it is, is when I had the, the fear-based self-doubt, when I was doing the channeling, I could feel this pure love. And when I dropped back into my physical self, I had all my fears and I would weep. I would weep afterwards. And then after it came to be just me bringing information through, All of that went away. What I find most fascinating about that is if, if you watch uh, Abraham Hicks, the early Abraham Hicks, she has an accent and she's she's a different physicality and she's talking. And you watch the the newest Abraham Hicks and, it, and it's just her on stage talking. It was like she came to that same realization that she didn't need the separation. And it's it to me it's it's fascinating because it just proves that we that we are divine. And the, what Jeshua taught, which was the most shocking thing, is that he's the same as us and we're the same as him and we're all one and the same. And which is, which is huge if you really think about it, because suddenly you have to take, take responsibility for your life and the, the things that are happening in your life and the way the things are manifesting into your life. And when you start to come to the space of realizing that, then you get to create something really cool. That is true. Yeah, that's a big thing to embrace. Um, do you remember anything about uh, those critical days where he was uh, killed? And uh, did he resurrect? And did you, yeah, do you remember that part? 
Okay, so if, if you ever heard my regression, which, you know, um, and I, actually, if you go to my John of New channel, there's a video on there called Two Moments from My Regression. And you get to hear me in hypnosis meeting him. And then you get to hear me seeing him being crucified. Oh, wow. And you hear me screaming and crying and wailing and you hear all that. It's, it's hard to listen. I don't, li I don't listen to it unless I have to listen to it because I still cry today when I think about it. Um, but I, I have a distinct memory of, of literally looking up at him and actually having his wife and mother and several other women with me. And it, it's, it's interesting because in the Bible it says that um, Joshua looked down and said, Mother, there's your son, son, there's your mother. And John took Mary, the Marys into his house for the rest of their lives, except for Mary Magdalene. She ended up going back to her family in Magdala. But, um, but his mother came with John for the rest of her life. And so I have this very visceral memory of them not only nailing him, which when what I found really interesting is, you know, when when they nailed him on the cross, they nailed him here, not here, which you always see it, it being done here. It's here. And they bent the nail so that he would hang. And then his ankles were on the side of the cross, nailed in sideways. Uh, through the and he nailed through the ankle bone, and the interesting thing about that is I did not. I you know, this is the image I had, and then years later, I was watching a thing about the archaeology of the time of Jesus, and the only the only archaeological evidence they have of a Roman crucifixion is a nail going sideways through an ankle bone. Um, so I, my memory was very clear on that. Um, then the next memory after that that I have is three of us carrying his body and literally just literally carrying his body. And then the next memory I have is like weeks later, weeks later, I'm in, I'm back in Galilee. I'm, I'm sitting on a boat and I'm talking to Peter and we're, we're, we're like, what was this all about? What was, you know, what were we just crazy? What were we, you know, was, what was this all about? And Joshua shows up on the shoreline. And we, we I, I run over to him, I dropped on my face, and I look up and he's laughing at me <laughs> for falling on my face. He had no injuries, he had no pain, he had no physical, visual experience of the, the body being shown to us. You know? And this was, like I said, probably weeks later. And th that's the last memory I have of him now. Now, I like to think that... Um, you know, in, in, in India, they believe that he came back to India afterwards with his wife and raised, raised children there. I have no memory of that. I like to believe that that's happening because I'd like to believe he had a, had a good ending. Um, but uh, I have no memory of that. Also, the other question that I get very frequently is, did they have children? And uh, I have no memory of children. And after the crucifixion, um, Mary Magdalene came and lived with John. And she was a broken woman. She was she was very just destroyed. And then her family came and got her and took her back to Mandela. And she was not pregnant at the time. So I, I don't have a memory of children at all. Um, but the the idea of did he resurrect, I, tru I truly believe he did. But I did a video on resurrection, too. If you go to India right now and you talk to the famous gurus or the, or the big names, they'll tell you how they how how many of the gurus will tell stories about projecting their consciousness and manifesting their body around their consciousness. And so they're literally saying that we the the physical form is in this belief, in this image, and the consciousness is what creates. So they literally could project their consciousness and form their bodies. So I, I believe that Jeshua could easily have done something like that. And even in the Bible, there's a point where and I don't have a memory of this because John wasn't there, but the women come to him and the, and he says to them, don't touch me, I'm not fully back yet. So he wasn't fully manifesting of the body yet. So there's there's references to those kinds of things in the Bible as well. So uh, I've read a couple of books of Dolores Cannon, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she has regressed tons of people. And uh, her ideas are, uh, uh, sometimes they can feel a bit wild, uh, but uh, who knows, right? Uh, I'm open to a lot of concepts. Mm -hmm. And there she says that 
sometimes uh, the reason why many people are saying that I was Cleopatra in a past life, I was Jesus in a past life, is because there were actually multiple souls in one um, person. Mm-hmm. What, what are you take on that? Do you feel that you are the only one who were this person or that there can be many people who have been? I, I, lo- I love this question for for many things. First of all, let me say, I don't think it matters who anybody was. It only matters who you are here in the here and now. Um, I don't claim to know what reincarnation is because I don't know whether I'm the only one or whether I'm just tapping into the oneness of God, into that one consciousness. Uh, in Hinduism, they say that the consciousness of God is the sit, and we are the sit sat ki, which is the individual sparks of consciousness within the one. And so I don't know whether I'm just tapping into the oneness of God and grabbing that information. I will say, you know, when you come out with a story like mine, people come out of the woodwork to talk to you. And I've met I've met close to 40 women who believe they're Mary Magdalene. I've met multiple Peters and Pauls, and, and uh, uh, I've met more people. I've met so many people who believe they were a child who played with Jesus as a, as a kid. And I've met, I've met a lot of those sort of, I've met Judases. So I don't really know what reincarnation is. I don't know whether I'm the one or I'm you know, one of many. I don't think it really matters. Because I think what matters is, what are you doing now? What are you doing in the here and now? Too many people get stuck in the past life experience, and they forget that, that there's only one moment you're conscious, and it's the one moment that you're in. And so for me, when I came back to this information, to me it was really important that I not get so focused on it. In fact, in 1999 was my first regression, and there was a book written about me, and I started speaking all over the country. I spoke at the Association for Research and Enlightenment, the Edgar Casey Foundation, in Virginia Beach and Houston and Portland. And I, I spoke all over the country in Unity Churches. And, but everyone was so invested in who I was, they weren't hearing a thing I was saying. And so what I, I left that industry for 10 years. And I became a corporate speaker. And what I did was I took all the information that I had, and I wrapped a different a vocabulary around it. So instead of saying manifestation, I said goal achievement, you know, and I just changed the, 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 the way I delivered it. And I never mentioned my past life for 10 years. And I was doing great and everything was going great. And then COVID hit. And it was an absolute blessing because I really felt inauthentic by hiding this, my own personal story. So COVID gave me the opportunity to come back out with my personal story. And the difference between then and now is incredible. I mean, before everyone was so invested in who I was and that past life. And I talk to people now and and everyone's striving to to awaken to their own divinity and and come to their own connection to source now, which 10 years ago, they were not there. It was a different time. I really believe that humanity is on, on the beginning of a huge shift right now. And I think that's why we're having all the strife in the world, because the people who aren't willing to be a part of that or, or wanting to be part of that are getting loud. And you know, Socrates said, the secret, uh, he said, um, uh, when the debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the loser. They start getting loud. They start getting screaming, but they're not really saying much except for being loud and calling names. Um, so it really comes down to realizing that, that that past life was, for me personally, has been been fascinating. But what's most important about that past life is T- telling people that they are one with God and divine and they can create anything into their experience because that's the most important element of it all is realizing that Jeshua, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, they're all just enlightened beings who, who found their own divinity and were t- showing us the way. Yeah, I love that you pointed that out because in the beginning of my spiritual journey, I tried to pinpoint everything. I tried to understand it intellectually and linearly and I was like, Yes, reincarnation exists, and uh, either you're this person or that person. Who was I on in the 17th century and the 18th century? And then I started interviewing people about parallel lives, and I was like, w- w- "What?" Right. And then uh, uh, more interviews about multidimensionality, and I'm like, "I don't get how this goes together." And I've just tossed out so many things. Now I'm just open to right everything's happening right now and there's a deeper reason like obviously i'm not regressing uh and having that experience so that's not for me right but it is for you it's clearly a soul's purpose right 
very important and it came back and it's your truth and i believe every time if it's your truth if you're really speaking out from your heart and it's just your authentic self then it's then it's divine everything is divine but then it's it's pure uh it is a deeper reason why it needs to come forward i i completely agree with you. you when you live into your authentic self you are expressing god into the world you're expressing the, the source into the world because the more you can be your authentic self, the more in love you are because your authentic self is, is not going to live a fearful life. If you think about fear in general, fear is an emotional reaction to a future event that may or may not happen with us focused on a negative outcome. But it depends on us being focused on a negative outcome, right? If you're focused on a positive outcome, you wouldn't be afraid. So it's literally just negatively focused on certainty. But when you're truly your authentic self and living into doing things that you love, then you don't have those fears. You don't have those anxieties. And you suddenly are expressing this source into the world. You know, I love to say God is love because that's you know, from the book of John. Thank you very much. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it also says in the book of John, no fear can exist in pure love. Right. So I like to say live a loving life go out in the world. I go to the grocery store and I walk into the grocery store. Before I go into the grocery store, I exhale. Now, why do I exhale? Because we have a primal reaction in our body that when we have fear, we store air in our bodies. And so it's a fear response to hold this air in. And if you're a parent, you have I'm sure you've had this experience where you're watching your toddler walk across the living room and they trip and they fall and they almost hit their head on the table and you go, <gasps> and you gasp for air, right? You fill your lungs up real fast so that you can run fast. That's, that's why we do it. It's a primal reaction. But actors on Broadway are trained if they are standing in front of a thousand people and forget their lines, they're trained to exhale and relax all their muscles and all their thoughts come right back into their heads because they shut off the fear response. So when I go grocery shopping, before I go in, I stop, I go, and I get that feeling of just a complete relaxation and a smile comes over my face. And I walk in and I walk past people and I watch them do a double take. They look at me and they, and they smile at me. And then I walk through the store and people start talking to me and joking with me. And I have a beautiful experience when I go grocery shopping just because I'm being loved first. Mm -hmm. I'm being my core authentic self first. And if we can walk through life, living a loving life and being, being love in, in, in to reality, then our reality becomes loving. And we start to experience a loving experience. I often say to people, especially highly empathic people, which are the ones who are most incl inclined towards spirituality, you can't save the world, but you can make your part of the world so bright that the world chooses to save itself by your example. And that's what Jeshua did, and that's what Buddha did, and Baha'u'llah, and, and Muhammad, and Krishna. That's what they all did, is they, they came and were an example. And that's why we're all st still trying to figure out you know, what they did. You said earlier about getting in your head about all that stuff. Um, in the Bible, the, the story of Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree of knowledge. They got kicked out of paradise. They got in their heads and out of their hearts. And the second we get back into our hearts and get back into that place of I am love, and God's name is I am, and love is what God is. So I am love is just giving you goosebumps. I don't know if you can see that or not. <laughs> it gives you goosebumps and you just go through the world and, and you give that out. And now you're the example for others to say, I want what they have. I'm going to be like them. So John, from your perspective, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> it, it's a very interesting question because there's two aspects of life. There's the spiritual life, which is the non-physical, and then there's the physical life. The physical life is to be here to experience God from all facets. From to experience the source, the the from the lack of love, from giving love to receiving love to feeling it from all different angles. Uh, our our the physical life is here to bring ourselves back to that realization that we are one with the source, one with God, one with love, and it's a matter of 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 releasing the fact that there's a fate or a destiny that we must live into. It's just a matter of being here and experiencing. And, and understanding and being loved fully. I don't think there's any any mistake that he's called John the Beloved, because I just say be love all the time, just be that love. And so to me, that's that's the meaning of life is just be love, express love, and experience love. 
Thank you so much, John. This was uh, a fascinating, beautiful conversation. Thank you for all the work you're doing and for coming to the show today. Well, well, thank you. And and um, I, uh, I, if I'm if I'm open, you can edit this if you'd like. But <laughs> I, I would like to offer your listeners an opportunity to get fifty dollars off one of my private sessions if they're interested. If they're not, that's okay. Uh, so I'll supply a link for you to share with them if you'd like. Of course. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you want to become more who you are and live in alignment with your soul's purpose and explore a deeper meaning with your life, then you are most welcome to join Wisdom from North membership. If you want to go deeper, you can find all our English online courses and programs at wisdomfromnorth.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube just by searching for Wisdom from North. Until the next episode, much light from here.